the heart of Christmas. The heart of Christmas. Can we talk about the heart of Christmas? Good. Um, I, I believe that a lot of times we can, we can uh, go through the Christmas holidays and forget the heart behind Christmas. And really, when I look at Scripture, the, the, the people in Scripture that really inspire me in this season are the wise men. Because they understood that they were celebrating the birth of Jesus, and they gave a sacrificial gift, and they really um, showed us or, or gave us a blueprint of what it looks like to really worship him and to celebrate the birth of Jesus. How many of you are just thankful for Jesus? Come on, we got to stand up. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to praise and shout that you're thankful for Jesus. Lord, we're thankful for you. We honor you, we adore you, we celebrate you, you're more than enough, you're so good, you're a great father, we worship you. Come on, give him another shout. We love you, Lord, we honor you, in the name of Jesus, you can be seated. Thank you, Bray, that's good, man. We're going um, to read Matthew 2. Two, and then skip over to Matthew 2, 7 through 12. Can we read that together? Awesome. It says this. It says, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. How many of you came to worship God today? Well, I mean, you, you came to get a word maybe, but you really came to worship him and to show him how thankful you are for him. Let's skip down to verse 7. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them, and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. Mary, and they bowed, I'm sorry, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures, and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, it, this story is very interesting because the wise men, the wise men were men um, from Persia, which they at that time didn't really know about the Messiah, um, but these wise men found out about the Messiah they lived in an area where they were always seeking a sign or seeking God. They were, they were hungry, and these wise men started to believe in who Jesus was. And theologians say it took them about nine to ten months to find Jesus. How many of you know that's a sacrifice? I, gotta, I, I have to ask myself, why are these people called wise men? Because wise men doesn't have anything to do really with intellect or how much you know. Your wisdom comes down to what you do and what you give. And I believe the Bible calls these men wise men 
for, for all ages to come because they understood how to worship Jesus. They understood, they celebrated the life of Jesus, and they gave sacrificially to Jesus. How many of you know that's wisdom? That's wisdom. See, the the foolishness of this world, it, you know, you can think, well, I just don't really understand that. It's wisdom to understand how to put God first. It's wisdom to understand how to sow and to give. And these men were wise men. They were wise men because they sought after Jesus and they found him and they worshiped him. The Bible says that they were full of joy. And when they found, fell down at the ground, this word that they used in the, in the Greek means that they violently fell at their feet. And they violently fell at, at the feet of Mary and Joseph, and they fell on their face, and they began to worship Jesus. They understood the trap of the enemy. They understood that Herod wanted to kill Jesus. They were warned in a dream. They went at a certain time. And the Bible says that they worshiped him. What is the heart of Christmas? What is the heart of Christmas? The heart of Christmas is to worship and honor the life of Jesus. To worship and honor the life of Jesus. How do we worship and honor the life of Jesus? Well, there are many ways you can worship. There are many ways that you can show God your appreciation. But these wise men really show us how to go about it. You know, it's not just sometimes a thank you. I believe that sometimes we can get very spoiled when it comes to Jesus. Am I right about it? He moves in our life, and we know that we're saved, and sometimes we can take it for granted. But these men didn't even know what Jesus was going to actually do. They didn't experience it. They worshiped him before God ever even did anything. And they begin to violently worship God and begin to glorify God. How many of you want to say that I want to really have the true heart of Christmas this year? I don't want to go through the motion. See, the enemy would love to turn everything around and make you stress and anxious and uh, bring up unforgiveness. You know you're going to be around family people that you haven't seen in a long time. There's already been a little bit of talk of uncle this and aunt this and grandpa this. I can't believe them because of their actions and attitudes. And the enemy wants to stir up our, our, our emotions and miss out on celebrating the life of Jesus. How many of you want to make in your heart a determination not to miss out? on celebrating the life of Jesus. The Bible says that these wise men were full of joy. They were full of joy. They were full of excitement. You know, it's very well known that this time of year, people can get the most depressed in this time of year. That there are more suicides in this season than any other season because there are a lot of people that feel like they have nothing to live for. And they see a lot of families gathering and a, and a lot of people doing things and they feel alone and isolated and, and a lot of times can, can make really bad decisions in this season because of, of a depressed heart. How many of you know that this is a time to show people the love of God more than any other time? When Jesus' name is being glorified on the TV and all around us in the stores singing about Jesus, that we shouldn't be just so consumed about our own thing but seeking out 
on how to celebrate Jesus' birthday, I believe, is seeking out people that need him, seeking out people that are hurting, seeking out people that really don't have a relationship with God and, and might be on the fence of believing in God, and, and, and you are the person to come and show them that Jesus is real. You, you see, a lot of times people don't know that Jesus is real because nobody has shown them. And nobody has, people have told them, but nobody has shown them. And let me ask you in this season, in this season, are you so inundated of the things that you got to do and the things you got to organize and all the presents that you have to get? All those things are good. We should do things like that. But how many of you believe that we should be focused on the heart of Christmas, which is Jesus? And I believe on his birthday, celebrating his life, he would say, if you want to give to me, give to those that are in need. If you want to celebrate my life, then begin to love other people and don't be so consumed about your thing, but begin to celebrate my life by glorifying me by loving others. How many of you know that it's when we love each other that Jesus is glorified? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that people know that we're his disciples by the way that we love each other. By the way that we love each other. I believe that this is a very important week to spend time with family and enjoy and, and, and feel good about our families and, and uh, love them and, and to be thankful. I also feel like it's an important time to give God really the present that he deserves, which is showing the love of Jesus to others. And sometimes it's not about telling people who Jesus is. Sometimes it's showing them who he is by your love and seeing their need. Amen? See, I, I have to think, what did these wise men really know? Because in the Old Testament, people were waiting for Jesus for generations and generations. These wise men understood that Jesus was coming, and there was certain information that they had. They had an expectation when it came to Jesus. They had an excitement when it came to Jesus because they understood and they believed the Scripture. And so... I want to read some scripture today about who Jesus is and things that, that they would have known or they would have studied or they would have sought out. And in turn, what they sought out, it changed them. It changed who they were. It changed their being. And, and when we begin to seek out and see who God is, then it ultimately begins to change who we are. Does anybody need some change in their life? You need some change in their life. A lot of times in this season, we can see the change that we need in our lives. How many of you know that we don't have to do it in our own strength, but it's supernatural? And so I want to read some things that the wise men would have focused on, or they would have, this is who they thought they were seeking after, and it was ultimately true. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. This is before Jesus ever came. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Isn't that awesome? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to focus on Wonderful Counselor for a second. You know, we use a lot of terms in our, our language kind of flippantly, like that's awesome. I love that. That, that taste, uh, um, that taste incredible. We use words incredible and awesome, and our, our, our vocabulary is very limited at times. And so we see the word wonderful, and we kind of 
you know, kind of skip over it and don't really pay attention to it. But this wonderful word, this wonder, this wonder, have you ever been in awe of something? Have you ever been in wonder of something? This word indicates a miracle. This word indicates something that's beyond what humans can do. This is wonderful. It is supernatural. He is a wonderful, supernatural counselor. Aren't you glad that the King of kings and the Lord of lords can counsel you? Has he counseled you at all this year? Has he been wonderful to you at all this year? I believe that today is a really good time to evaluate what God has done all year. Maybe God has, has put things in your life and, and, and answered prayers, or even you could have gone through really hard times this year, and you don't realize that the hand of God was on you, and anybody else, they would lose their mind. <laughs> They would, they would lose it, but the hand of God was on you. He was protecting you, and he's actually using what happened to you that might have been negative into a very powerful, wonderful way, right? I have to, can I just, can I tell you some things I'm thankful for this year? This year, a lot of people know that <clears throat> trying times can be the best times with God sometimes. There can, there can be a bittersweet a moment with God when you're going through trying times. And, and a way that God really worked this year, and I want to just kind of uh, tell you about it and really testify, because I believe that you're going to have a time to testify today, and we're going to worship God, and God's going to remind you of the things that he got you through and the answers, the answered prayers that you got this year. Amen? It really changes our, um, it really changes who we are when we realize how good he is, how wonderful he is. He's not just a practical God. He's a wonderful God. He does things beyond our capacity. This year there was, there were, there were times where it seemed difficult and it was, it was hard to really focus at times because many of you know, some of you don't know, we actually had a school here um, that was on our facility and it was a great school. My kids went to that school. And, uh, and this school, actually, it paid to be there. So it was like leasing the property. Well, in, in, there was a moment of time where the school was no longer, and it, and it closed down. And so you might say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, I'm just going to, we're going to have a family meeting today. Can we have a fam family meeting today to share your heart? Three of you are family? Awesome. <laughs> Well, well, in a minute, in an instant, that was $10,000, $10,000 that the church really relied on that was gone. Now, you might say, what's the big deal? You lose $10,000, you know, and this was like how staff got paid. This is how we run things. Any business that get a $10,000 hit is going to hurt you. It was ten dollars to $15,000, and to be honest with you, we didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know how we were going to pay the bills. We didn't know if I needed to go and work at McDonald's. You know what I mean? There was a, there was a moment in time where you said, God, I don't know what's going to come out of this. And, and it was kind of like at times God was picking on us because there was people that would come in and say, we want to rent these facilities. And we're like, awesome. So they would go in there and gut the whole thing and then leave. So you're left with a gutted building. You were coming into faith, and you thought, okay, well, God's going to supply all our needs. And, and they came in and gutted the place and, and just left town. That's not encouraging. 
They had somebody come in and say, look, we want to buy this property. And, and they were negotiating and all that. And we were like, well, do we do the improvements on the church or do we do this? Do we do that? We don't know really where to go and what to do. You know, a lot of times the enemy tries to dangle things over your head to get it distracted with when really he just wants you to do his work and focus on the kingdom of God. And a lot of times our problems can be bigger in our life that God, the way that God really sees it because our problems are really going to be turned around so that he gets glory and that you are going to be able to learn some stuff and get blessed on the other, other side. And so people were talking about buying, you know, that facility. We didn't really need all the facility. We moved our office over here. It felt weird having a couple people looking at each other and all that land and facility. It was like, what is this? So we moved over here and we knew that, God, you're going to have to work this out. We don't know. And so the church to be able to, are y'all okay today? I'm just giving you the background story. The church uh, was like, okay, to be able to really float the church, we're going to have to get a loan. We don't believe in loans, but we believe that, that we had to do whatever it took and to give ourselves a certain amount of time to be able to recover. And guess what? In, the, in that time, God was faithful. He worked it out. And, but we gave ourselves a certain amount of time. We're like, God, this is how long we have the loan. Once this, once this runs out, it's done. It's done. So it was a Red Sea moment. Have you ever had a Red Sea moment? Have you ever had a Red Sea moment where, like, God, if you don't move, I don't know what to do? See, that what the enemy thinks or what the enemy tries to make you do is try to put everything, do everything in your own strength and try to figure it out. How many of you know that God is sovereign? God is sovereign, and he sees the end from the beginning. He's not worried about the middle. And a lot of times we're worried about the middle. He's not worried about the middle. He already knows what's at the end of the story. He just wants us to trust and obey and listen to his voice. In those moments, all you want to do is try to figure things out. And God's saying, hey, I want you to figure me out. Begin to seek me. Begin to find me. Begin to get in my presence. Begin to be in love with me because I'm going to work this mess out for you. Even though it seems far away and you don't know what to do and you have a lot of questions and you have a lot of like, well, I don't understand. God says, don't lean on your understanding. It sounds like a really nice scripture until you got to live it. It sounds really pretty. We love this scripture. Don't lean on your own understanding, but rely on God. We're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to Facebook that. I'm going to hashtag that. I'm going to put that on Twitter and Instagram, all knowing that when you're in it, sometimes you're a little concerned. See, God will never close a door where he doesn't have another open door on the other side. And a lot of times we can get like, you know, worried, but God says, hey, I got this thing. And just to give you a background story, you know, there was a couple years ago that God put on our, our heart to really begin to witness to people that are in government and business and education and entertainment. And, and so a couple people were praying. This is how God, God is. He's cool because he surrounds you with people and it kind of prods you in the right direction and people begin to pray and things begin to happen behind the scenes. And so we, we were praying, God, we need this amount of money for the church and praying and believing and uh, things were falling through. And, and God put on our heart to actually go to a uh, chamber meeting. And God did a lot of great things in that. You know, we got to witness to some businessmen and things like that. Mark was in, encouraging me to do it. I probably wouldn't have done it if the people around me wasn't encouraging me and it was, the, it was God. And we went to this meeting and it didn't seem like, 
anything was happening. But how many of you know that when you obey the voice of God, it might not seem like anything's happening, but God's setting things up? And I, I went to the meeting, met a lot of great people, got, got to have connections, but I, I really didn't know why I was there. But at the end of leaving the chamber meeting, this lady came up to me and said, hey, you know, I really want you to meet a friend of mine. You kind of, you know, y'all kind of have the same views on things. I want you to, uh, you know, meet this pastor. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't have met with the pastor, but God put on my heart that same week that you need to begin to reach out to some pastors in the area. See, if we do only what we do, what we want to do or think, we'll fail. But God, he's speaking into your heart for a reason. These little whispers that you're getting in your heart and the little words that God is giving you, he's doing it for a reason. He's setting you up. And this lady said, you know, I, I, you know, um, I, I, I want to connect you with this guy. And I was like, okay, okay, cool. So the guy calls and, and we start talking and, and you know, he, he mentions the school over there. And he says, you know, I know that y'all aren't, aren't, aren't selling the property, leasing the property. I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, I know y'all aren't doing He said, you know what, I'm actually tied into a, uh, I'm actually tied into a school that's in the area that might be interested. Well, I was like, awesome. So they were interested in it. We got all, my dad worked really hard, get contracts and all this together. And then all of a sudden, they didn't talk to us anymore. So that was another bomb. That was another like, yes, God is moving. But when they don't answer your calls for a couple of months, you think, God, why aren't you moving? You know, and uh, just so you know, um, the month was coming where the loan's running out. The month that wasn't coming, it was actually there where there was no more funds. And did you know in that time when the loan ran out for a month or two, God supplied all our needs? We don't know how it happened. Becca works in the finance office. She doesn't know how it happened. We don't know how it happened, but God began to bless us and begin to float us and begin to really encourage us. See, the people that are clapping were the people that are in it. No, nobody else is clapping that wasn't in it because when you're in it, you understand how God moves. And then at that very moment where, where all that we can do was over, these people came back and said, we want to have, we want your school. They came in. They've been working like busy bees over there. They, they're in the school. It's a done deal. It's going to be a great school over there to serve the community. And God moved at the very exact time. See, a lot of times, yeah, give God a hand if you want to. A lot of times we read stories in the Bible when God moves and we think that things just happened automatically. Sometimes they took time. You know, and in our life, we wonder why God doesn't, you know, just do things automatically because God's working something in us. And, you know, really in that time, you have to ask yourself, in this year, has God done any wonderful things in my life? How, has God done any wonderful things in my life? Has he been a wonderful counselor? Has he been a wonderful counselor in my life? He has in my life. He has in my life. Uh, and this is how you, I believe that we should ask ourselves this. Is there any way that we can counsel somebody else in this season? Is there any way that we can encourage somebody else in this season? See, God encourages us with words. He encourages us with different things in our life. And if God has encouraged you and answered some prayers, if he's been wonderful to you, can you be that for somebody else? You know what? There are many people that are one encouragement away from quitting. 
There are many people that are one encouragement away from quitting. You say, well, how can I, how can I counsel? How can I help? How can I do wonderful works? You could be an encourager. You can encourage people. When's the last time you've went out your way and saw the goodness in people instead of their flaws and their failures and said, I want to encourage you? You might not know it, but that voice might ring in their head to such a point to bring them out of what they're into and into victory. See, you might look at somebody and they, think they look like they have it all together, but the truth is some people, they're getting beat up on the inside. God called you to be an encourager. God called you to be a wonderful counselor as well. We get counsel from God, and God touches our life so we can counsel others. You know what you should do? You should, if somebody's in your life, you just need to think about them and say, how can I encourage them? How can I love them? Sometimes in relationships, we can be so consumed about our own thing, but you're in that relationship not just for you. You're in that relationship for others. Somebody needs a little bit of encouragement. Somebody needs a little bit of encouragement in this time, a little bit of word, a little bit of you got this thing. This is what I see in you. This is what I believe in you. You know, a little bit of that goes a long way. A little bit of that goes a long way. How many of you want to determine in your heart to encourage people in this season. 2 Corinthians 1.3 says this. It says in the Amplified, it says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts and encourages us in every trouble so that we will be able to comfort and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble. Did God comfort you in a time of trouble? Has God comforted you, comforted you in a time of need, trouble in your family this year, trouble in finances this year? Has there been anything in your life where God was a wonderful counselor and he comforted you? How many of you want to encourage people? You want to be an encourager? See, a lot of times we want, you know, uh, Sometimes you can think, I just want to speak my mind. Don't do that. Because a lot of times your thinking's not right. You know, sometimes we got to hold our tongue and we need to encourage. Sometimes we need to hold, hold our tongue and we need to help people out. You know, people are beat up enough in this season. How about we take them by the hand and say, hey, I'm with you. I believe in you. See, how, does, how do they know that God believes in them? Because you believe in them. See, God uses people for people. God uses people to work in people. Now, God does things in his, his own time, and sometimes you might experience God without anybody else around, but the majority of time, people experience God through his people. How many of you know that we need to be encouragers? We need to be encouragers. The next thing is this. The next thing is this. Isaiah seven fourteen. this is what the wise men heard about Jesus, Isaiah 7, 14. All right, then, the Lord himself will give you this son. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Have you felt God through this year? God's hand through this year? God's grace through this year? Anybody? God got you out of some things this year. You know what I love about God? God is with us even when we're failing. You know, the Bible says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. 
He will never leave us nor forsake us. The great thing about God is that when you don't do things right, he doesn't give you a cold shoulder. A lot of times we think God works like people, but he's not a person. He's God. And when you do things wrong, he'll gently correct your spirit, but he doesn't turn his back on you. Isn't that awesome about God? Emmanuel, he is with you. It's not as he is with you when you're just worshiping him. It's not he is with you when you're just giving your all. He's even with you when you don't hit the mark. He's even with you when you don't do everything right. He's there with you, loving you, believing in you. See, we are in him, meaning that we get our identity in him. And because of the blood of Jesus, he washes us and cleanses us and loves us and sets us on a right path. Don't you love that about God? I mean, it's just he's fiercely loyal. He's fiercely loyal. He loved us even before we ever loved him. He died, Romans says that he died for the ungodly. He loved you before you ever loved him back. He's good. He's Emmanuel. He's with you. He's even with you in your low times. You know what you need to find in a friend? A friend that's with you in the low times. A friend that when you're down and out, they're not throwing rocks at you, but they're praying for you and encouraging you and saying, get up. You're better than this. Come on. If God has been loyal to you, let me ask you, where's your loyalty to others? If God has been with you, are you somebody that's with people that are down and out and going through a hard time? Are you only around people and friends with people that help you out? Because real loyalty, when you know that God has been with me, when everybody else has turned or thought and, and really thought, you know what, I don't, I don't know about him right now. God is still there. And he still accepts you. Isn't it beautiful that God accepts you? The Bible says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nor height, nor depth, no sin can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate you from the presence of God. God does not turn his back on you. It's in the presence where he melts away the sin. It's in the presence where he washes you. It's in the presence where he makes things right. And God will never reject you. He will always accept you. And in the times that you're down and you think I'm not worthy for God, get used to it because you'll never be. You'll never be worthy of the blood of Jesus because it's only his sacrificial gift of laying his life down, shedding his blood that causes us to be washed of sin and be in his presence. It's when we think that we earn it is when we get in trouble. It's when we think that we're better is when we get in trouble. It's when we get in on our high horse. The Bible says, I, I can't do anything about that. I resist the proud, but give grace to the humble. How many of you want some grace in your life? Well, you got to begin, let me ask you this, if God has been with you in hard times and low times, are you with other people? You know, some people just need time. You say, what can I give somebody for this Christmas season? Time. You sit there and be, spend some time with them. You know, in this fast-paced life, it's all, and especially in America, it's all about productivity. It's all about, I spend time with you to get this out of you, or I spend time with you to get, and I, but a lot of times we have lost the, the cultural uh, part of just sitting down and looking at somebody and saying, how are you? You know, there are people that are lonely, that are in jail, that are in uh, different homes and different places that they, you know what, they really need, they need you to not just sit there and give them a great word or preach to them, they need you to just sit there and spend some time with them. Do you know anybody that's lonely? 
Aren't you glad that when you were lonely, God never forsake you? He never forsook you. He never abandoned you, but he was with you the whole time. How many of you need friends that are going to be with you in the highs and the lows? Yeah, give God a hand if you, if you want. I believe we need to be a friend of people. If God's with us, let us be for them. Proverbs 26 says this, Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one that is truly reliable? Who can find one that is truly reliable? Come on, can people rely on you? Can people rely on you? Be fiercely loyal, even if you're messed up, even if you got issues. Somebody knows, hey, they got issues, but they're there. I might mess up, but they're going to love me anyway. Aren't you glad that God loved you anyway? Are do people mess up in your life and you just begin to throw rocks at them? You just begin to get mad at them? You think, you know what, I'm rejecting them? You know, that's very tempting. And it almost seems right. Can we, can we be honest? It almost seems right. But the truth is that God not only accepted you, he also acquitted you. What does that mean? It means that even though you were wrong, he came as your lawyer, and pleaded your case and say, I know that they did wrong, but I shed my blood and there's no charge on them. Aren't you glad that he's our great advocate? That even if we've done wrong, you know what God is saying over your life right now? The Bible says that he's saying a lot better things than the days of old with Cain and Abel when their blood spilled out of the, uh, and cried out from the ground. He said, today I'm speaking good things over you. If you can hear and quiet yourself enough, you will hear the good things that God is speaking over your life. Because he has acquitted you. He is your advocate. You wonder what God is saying right now. He, he has a roar over your life that is making every enemy shudder and every enemy scream and dash away. And we have to begin to forget about the past and begin to come into the future and know that I am able to have safety in the shadow of Almighty. How do you do that? You get in Jesus. You get in his word. You believe the truth. Aren't you glad that he adopted you even in your wrong? He adopted you and took you in. In other words, the things that he paid for, he's given to you. You might think that you don't earn, you haven't done well enough to earn the good things in your life. That's okay, because God is really good. God is really good. I'm preaching to somebody today that you need to get out of feeling low and depressed and not good enough and full of your failures, and you need to let God begin to get you out of that because he's Emmanuel, and if you want to sustain that, you begin to get other people out of it, spend some time with them, let them know I'm here for you, I love you, and you're bad and you're wrong, I'm still here for you. That's a real friend. That's a real friend. I've seen you in the worst. See, a lot of people, even in ministers, people love ministers when they're going through a really good season, but when they're not able to give anything back, they want to throw them away. How many of you know that people are people, and the body of Christ should hold each other's arms up no matter if somebody's going through a bad season? See, sometimes we got to get more real than we are and say, hey, I'm going through a rough patch, instead of putting on a facade and saying everything is good. Sometimes we got to be real. You will tell who's really with you when you, when you begin to open up and say, I'm going through a rough passion. Like, oh, sorry about that. See you later. Or they begin, to, they begin to talk about it. 
They begin to talk about it to other people. How many of you know we need to be a people that say, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. You need to spend some time. You just want to hang out. See, a lot of times when people go through hard times, it's not really what you say and do. It's who you are and just being there. And that's why the Bible says don't neglect the meetings that you have with each other because some people, they just need you to be there. Some people, there's nothing reliable in their life but you. You know, the, the other day, I, I, uh, I kind of twisted my ankle. It was painful. I felt like a wuss because I've been hobbling around the house for about two days. And Lee even laughed at me yesterday because I like almost, yes, yeah, she did. Pray for her. <laughs> I almost fell down and uh, because my, my ankle wasn't reliable anymore. I, I, was, I, I needed my ankle. It's not reliable. I rolled it. And, you know, the Bible says that's what an unfaithful person is like is when you want to you wanna lean on somebody, but they're not reliable, and you end up falling down. How about in this Christmas season, how about in this season we be reliable? Call that person back that's called you four times. I had somebody call me yesterday. I was like, oh, God, no. Just being honest, somebody I haven't talked to in years. You know, it was actually a blessing when I answered the phone. It was actually good. You know what they really needed? They really needed somebody. Even though there was a lot of water under the bridge, they needed to know somebody still looks at them and believes in them and loves them. That's what they really wanted to know. You, listen, accept or decline. Be, get in the habit of writing people back and accepting. If I miss your call, I'm going to call you back. Be reliable. It's a really simple thing. It's a really simple thing to say, you're important enough. Are you Okay. And unless it's one of those little boys that won't leave you alone, then hit decline. Go ahead and hit decline. Put devil in, the, uh, in their name. Satan is calling. Hit decline. One of those little girls calling you. You know, you know they're, up, they, they're giving you the eyes. The skirt's a little too high. You know you need to run. You need to run the other way. We think it's cute, but the, the, Bible, says, the Bible says, hey, you can lose everything. Just by going for that. So hit accept, except for that. Leave them alone. Tell your leader about it. Let them know what's really going on when nobody's looking. Let them know what you're really saying. Let them know what's going on in the dark. Because the only way to get rid of the things that are in the dark is to bring it to the light. If you don't bring it to the light, you think that you got this thing covered. You don't have this thing covered. It's an infection. It might be embarrassing, but it's better to embarrass your enemy before the enemy embarrasses you. Go ahead and embarrass the enemy. You say, well, I'll seem weak. We are all weak. That's why we're all here. <laughs> we needed Jesus. Join the club. Begin to say, I got some issues. I have issues. I got some problems. And begin to open up. I think a lot of times, see, God lets us do whatever we want to do, but it's not healthy for us. That's why he put a, a tree in the garden so that you can have some self-control to say no. And if there are things that you can't say no to, then you need to expose it and begin to get on the right track. You say, Is, are you talking about me? No, I'm not thinking of any person. I'm thinking that in this generation, you want to feel love. Get the love of Jesus. 
get in his presence. I want to feel accepted. I, I want to feel good about myself. Listen, at the end, after you feel good about yourself, the only thing you're going to feel is empty and then be entangled by the sin of the world. You think it's just fun and everybody else is do it. doing it. Live by God's word and God is going to begin to bring you to places that you never dreamed of. Listen, there are temptations all around us. And the Bible says that he's never put a temptation in front of you that you cannot handle. You can handle it. You just need some help. You can handle it. You just need to expose it. You need to quit uh, faking it, praising, praise God. Everything's awesome and wonderful. And then in the background, late at night, doing things that nobody can even think of doing. You, you doing. Come on. You got to, and in this time where there's an idle time and you got, you, I'm preaching to the youth today. Forget about y'all. <laughs> you got those hormones. You're following the hormones. <laughs> hey, how about how about go into the presence of God? How about in this season be an encouragement with somebody? How about instead of trying to be so cool, hang out with the person that needs help? That's really going to make you shine. That's who people really remember in high school and college anyway. The people that try to, didn't try to be all cool, but they can sit with people that really need them and feel rejected. That's how you impact lives, as you begin to get in the presence and say, I need some help. I need some friends. If, the, if you keep doing things with certain friends, stop hanging out with them. Just get away from them. If you say, every time I'm hanging out with them, I'm doing this certain thing, tell. Tell on yourself and get some help. Amen? And all the parents said? Yeah. Amen. Amen. My, my, my rant is over. Next one. We can get somebody to come and play. Next one. Next one is they would have they would have known the scriptures or wise the wise men would have studied the scriptures of old and they would have known this part about Jesus. Let's look in Zechariah 9 9. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in tri triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. Your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. What is this saying? They knew that they were not just coming to visit somebody that was set apart and great. They knew that they were visiting the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, a king in your life is somebody that is supposed to protect and provide, help provide. How many of you God has provided for you? He's helped you. He's helped you. I believe in, in this part in our lives, this is where we begin to see all the times that God has been for us, all the times that he has helped us, all the times he's taken care of us, so that we can in return say, who can we take care of? Who can we help? Who can we give to? See, love is really defined by what you give. You can tell what you love by what you give to. Love is defined by what you give. God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world that he gave. What has God put on your heart to give? Has he taken care of all your needs? I'm just asking you. Has he taken care of all your needs? Then, then should we have a heart that's inclined to give? 
Should we have a heart that's inclined to give to his body and to give to those people that are in need? Jesus said, when you give to the least of these, you're given to me. Let me ask you, are you planning on giving Jesus anything for his birthday? Because the Bible says if you give to the least of these, then you're giving to me. Don't give just to give. Get in the presence to get a cheerful heart, then give. Get in the presence and begin to count all the things that God has done for your life, then give.